Jump right into reading the passage this week, Matthew 2, 1. Of course, we'll throw the scriptures up on the board. Uh, we'll also, uh, we also have the, um, the, the live event in the Bible app, if you have the Bible app. So, um, Matthew chapter 2, story of the wise men. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, really deeply disturbed, is terrified. They were, they were terrified. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of all the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written in, by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because of, out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route or another way. Um... As I was kind of studying this, uh, leading up to uh, this 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 uh, this sermon, um, <clears throat> I begin to see a, a difference between uh, the three characters that are in this story. We've got Herod, we've got the religious leaders, and we've got the wise men, and begin to see the difference. And actually, the difference between the three characters is the difference between the head and the heart. Um, we see the wise men, we're going to set them aside, we're going to get back to them, but we see the, uh, Herod and the religious leaders, they knew about Jesus. They had a head knowledge about Jesus. See, Herod, when the wise men came, Herod had been hearing these prophecies about this, this king of the Jews, the Messiah that was to be born. Now, he was terrified when the wise men came because he, 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 had, he had power. And that's what his hope was in was in power. He was powerful. He had position. He, 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 had, he had riches. And he would kill anybody that even attempted to, 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 to take away his power. He killed his wife. He killed his mother-in-law. He killed his kids. He'd kill anybody that even looked like he would have power. And spoiler alert, he would try to kill babies. He'd try to kill babies. If it meant that those babies or that baby was trying to get his throne. He had a head knowledge about Jesus. He had heard these prophecies. And see, when I was reading through this story, and we see that Herod told the wise men, hey, hey, go search carefully, or go search diligently, other, other, other translations say, I, I, it clicked me back to the, the shepherds last week. The, the 3.5, I put a, a 3.5 sermon. Phil, Phil suggested the 3.5 uh, title. A 3.5 sermon that's just podcast only because I didn't get to talk about the shepherd's worship last week in the sermon. And, and, and it said that they searched or they, they, they went hastily or they went speedily. They, they broke the speed limit with their camels. 
when they went to go search for baby Jesus. And I thought about that, and I thought about how the wise men went and actually searched, and I thought, okay, what does search diligently mean with, with what Herod was saying? And actually, he was telling them, hey, go search out the facts about this Jesus kid and let me know, because I want to worship him too. But again, spoiler alert, he didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill Jesus. He wanted head knowledge in order to destroy Jesus. Now, we know people like that, right? They get head knowledge. They get head knowledge so that they can try and destroy Jesus. But we also have the religious guys. The religious guys. Herod tells the scribes, and says, hey, 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 come here. What was that prophecy again that you were telling me about? Where is this Messiah going to be born? In 700 years before this story, a guy by the name of Micah, God used to prophesy about where the Messiah was going to be born. Bethlehem. It may be small among you, Israel, but it's going to be great because the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And they had this head knowledge about this Messiah that was going to be born. They had been waiting 700 years from the prophecy of Micah, 700 years from the prophecy of Isaiah, 4,000 plus years from the time of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15 and the first prophecy about Jesus. I mean, think about it. If we subtract 700 years from right now, that's what, 1315, 1316? Am I right with that? Math majors, am I right? Waiting 700 years, like a prophecy be made at 1315, and we're still waiting. That's 200 years before Martin Luther posted his thesis on the door and started the Reformation. That's a long time ago, right? And they've been waiting all this time. And these wise men show up, and they're asking about this prophecy. And they tell them. And what, do, what did the religious leaders do after that? We don't know. Nothing. Wouldn't you think they would at least investigate it? They had, had all this head knowledge about God, but they did nothing to go investigate, even investigate. Why? Well, we don't really know, but... Maybe it had to do with the fact that it was wise men that came to worship him. See, these were pagan guys. These were guys from their rivals. See, the last time they saw guys like this come into Jerusalem, they completely ransacked the place. They, they, they burned it to the ground. They, they, they destroyed the walls. They ceased to be an independent state at that point in time in history, and they still hadn't got their independence back, and they wouldn't get it back to the 1940s, right? They hated these people. But on top of that, these wise men, they were stargazers and quite possibly star worshipers. Why would God show up to them? Why? The religious, we know all about God. Certainly God would show up to us and not these wise men, right? There's nothing behind this. Nothing behind this. See, the religious, they were powerful as well. And they used religion to be powerful. See, Herod and the religious, their hope was in power. The certainty of their better future was in power. For Herod, it was government and military. 
for religious, it was religion and laws and making people feel bad for their lives. Their joy, their inner excitement about a purpose in life, their purpose was, was through power and position and through, through possessions. Their peace, the calm and the storm in their life was centered around position and possession. If I can be the top dog and if I can have all the money I ever need, then I'm going to have peace in my life. Love? See, this is where it gets real, real sticky because especially the religious, you know, they can look like they're sacrificing, but the sacrifice really is only to give them more position and power. So this can be the CEO of a company or a leader of a company or this can be a pastor or a deacon board. I can say deacon board because we don't, we don't have one of those here, so I'm not you know, you know, hitting on anybody there. Or it can be some dude in the backseat of a car, right? If you really love me. Leveraging his position and power to get what he wants. And all of that... Faith. They see life through the lens of position, power, and possession. And that's how I get hope or joy. That's how I get peace. That's how I get love. That's where my hope is. So I'm going to act that way. But we have these pagan wise men. Have these pagan wise men. Who show up. And they don't just seek Jesus out with their minds. See, God showed up in the star. I don't know their background to know why they saw the star and said, the guy's born now. I don't know why. But they traveled over a thousand miles through desert conditions in order to go worship a toddler. It's odd, isn't it? pagan they had no interest in israel but these guys came to worship a toddler why it's more than head knowledge see god showed up in the star why he was speaking contextually to them they were stargazers or star worshipers he was taking that star and go hey guys hey guys right here i want to focus you over here to this baby to this toddler why do we do odd stuff from our culture? Take a star that people are looking at and go, right here, right here, right here, right, right here. No, 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 no. Here's this baby right here that we want you to focus on. These guys traveled over a thousand miles to go worship a toddler. But they did so with more than their head. They did so with their heart. How do I know? Matthew 2.10. We're going to read it actually now from the ESV because the Holman Christian where I started from really kind of glosses over what, 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 what's, what's behind the meeting. Now, this is, this is more difficult to read in English. It doesn't read out well in English, but this is closer to what the Greek actually means. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's kind of, the English majors are like, that's like, you know, nails on chalkboard, like, ah, you know, but that's closer to what the Greek, Greek is. I don't know Greek, okay? Full disclosure, I don't know Greek, right? But smarter guys than me do, and I read them. Rejoiced. That is, that is the verb of joy. So essentially, that is joyed or joying, okay? 
exceedingly. Actually, that has violent undertones to it. I was, yeah, I was kind of, kind of, like when I read that, I was like, really? So I had to think about that more. We'll get to that. Great. We still use the Greek word mega. The, those of you NES fans, you know, Mega Man. Yep, woo, yep, old school. Mega, joy. That means joy. So if we actually would kind of to phrase this out literally, it would, it would mean joying with a violently mega joy. How do you do that? A few illustrations. One, one illustration. A middle school girl getting the chance to see Justin Bieber. Okay, that would be, that would be a violent, well done, well done, well done, Lydia. That would be a violently great joy, right? Like, don't get in the way of that. Another illustration, another illustration. Some of you thought that maybe, you know, I attended the children's Christmas party on Friday because, you know, my wife made me do it, and so therefore I didn't go with Jack and Phil for that reason to go see Star Wars. No, that's, I mean, that's the outward reason, but the, the real reason. The real reason is because, you know, Jack can handle himself, but I just didn't want to accidentally get in Phil's way and that violent mega joy just come out all over this. Jack can handle himself. He would do that, you know, stiff arm thing and Phil would just, you know, be like this and it would just, me, Phil would just, he would kill me. I would be dead, he would be in jail, and it would just be bad for the church. And so I just sacrificed myself and just came to the thing. Because I didn't want to experience uh, joying with violent mega joy there. Those of you parents, you parents were coming up on a, on a violently joyful time of the year, right? About 4 a.m. on Christmas morning... It's going to be violent all up on your chest. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. And the violence is going to also ensue, but it's not going to be joyful. It's going to be angry, right? Get off of me! So what is behind this whole violent, joyful thing, right? How can you... All of us have experienced this, and hopefully if you've married, you've experienced this, that it's really inside. Our insides are getting violent. Like our stomach is, is going upside down, and our lungs are like, cut it out, and our heart's beating out of our chest, and our, and our mind goes to mush. So this has happened twice in Phil's life, right? When he met Jessica and when he saw Star Wars. <laughs> Thankfully, Jessica made the list, right? <laughs> so, is she going to listen to the pod? later so <laughs> i didn't know if she's gonna be in here or not but so we've all experienced some sort of experience with this violent joy that happens inside of us this is the type of joy that the wise men had inside of them but again this is a toddler why why over a toddler in some podunk town I mean, the wise men showing up in Bethlehem would be like the G8 summit showing up in Bodark. Right? Everybody would be like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Well, it all comes back to the pillars. See, they had a hope. They had a certainty of a better future, not in possessions and position, but in a toddler. They had a joy. 
an inner excitement about a life lived with purpose that was greater than possessions and, 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 and position, but it was in a toddler. Peace. A calm in the middle of a storm, not based on possessions and position, but based on a toddler. Love. They set out three gifts of immense, immense value at the feet of a toddler to sacrifice what they had to worship this toddler. Love. Sacrificing for the betterment of others. Because why? They had faith. They had faith. When that star uh, showed up and shone in the sky and they followed it, they all of a sudden saw life as God saw it and they acted on it. They traveled thousands of miles and laid gifts of great value at the feet of Jesus and his family. It's great, right? They actually had a toddler to worship, right? We have no physical Jesus today, right? So what does that look like now? Jesus gave, actually, a lot of hints throughout his ministry and throughout his teaching. A couple in particular. Matthew six twenty one. For where your treasure is, treasure, position, possession, there your heart will be also. So you could say it this way in this time period. Where your bank statement is, that's where your heart is. Now we're not saying, you know, 100% to the kingdom, you know, don't take care of your needs. No, no, God doesn't say that. But we can get a pretty accurate indication of where all of our hearts are by just simply looking at our bank statement and where we've spent our money and where we spent our treasure and where we spent our time. And where we spend our talents. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. But again, 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 we don't, we don't have a physical Jesus before us. He's not in flesh anymore, right? He's not here before us. So, so, so how do we really worship with our possessions and position? Matthew twenty two thirty six. 36. Teacher, which, is, which commandment is the, in the law is the greatest? Jesus is being tested here. This is the last days of his life, and he's being tested by the religious guys. He said to him, Jesus said to this guy, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment, to which all the religious leaders would say, Amen, because he's quoting from Scripture, Deuteronomy 6. But the more I thought about this Scripture this week, here's a thought that came to mind. I think it fits. See, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, worshipped God well with their mind. They probably had the entire Old Testament memorized. That's pretty impressive, right? Including Leviticus, you know, those parts of the Bible we just kind of skip over? Yeah, I read that, right? They had it memorized. They were good at loving God with their mind. But what happens when we love God with our mind alone? I think we become heartless and soulless Christians and churches. For some reason, I don't know why, Noah sits by me during the opening worship. Still haven't figured that out with all the kids, and he comes up here. And when we stand up to worship, I lean over to him and go, stand up, stand up. You can dance, you can clap, you can, you can do all that. 
Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You never know with Noah if it's going to work or not. But why do I tell him that? Because I don't want him to grow up seeing a heartless and soulless church. It says, stand there and be still. Don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You can worship him with your mind, but not with your heart, with your soul. Why do people leave the church? Young people leave the church? Probably it has a lot to do with the heartless, soulless churches that they grow up in. And let us never stop worshiping God with our heart, with our seat of desire and passion, and with our soul. The part of us that connects with people. Really connects with people. Now look, we're a white church with Southern Baptist roots. Some say we're automatically soulless, right? So we've, we've got work to do. Some of you are from a Pentecostal background, so you're a step in the right direction there, okay? So, <laughs> so you can help us, us Baptist background get a little bit of soul in, in us. But we want kids to see a church that has a heart for God and a passion for God. But he doesn't stop there, does he? The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two, two commands. If you read the Old Testament through the filter of love God, love people, the Old Testament will be completely transformed. It won't be a head knowledge of what comes next. It will be a heart desire and passion for God and for people because it's all over the Old Testament if you want to look for it. And when Jesus says the second is like this, he's not saying this is 1A and 1B, is which you've probably heard. He's saying this is one and this is one. These are equal. In fact, if you can read from the entire scope of his life and his teaching, he is, he is really saying you can actually see how well you love God by how well you love people. Well, hold on a minute. Matthew 25, parable of the sheep and the goats. For what you have done to the least of these, you have done to me, Jesus. To Jesus. So what does this mean today that we don't have Jesus standing in front of us? See, it's a little bit better. It's a lot better. We don't worship a toddler anymore. We worship a toddler who grew up to be a man who was perfect, who died the death that we could not die, and resurrected from the grave that we could not resurrect from, and ascended to heaven that we could not ascend to in order for us to come there with him. And now we worship a king who is sitting on his throne, who proved he was always a king sitting on his throne. And how do we do that? Through our passion for him, we have a passion for people. Love them. So we serve big. We serve big. Passion for God, passion for people, serve big. This next series over Jonah, this is, this is really what, what that series is all about this right here. Passion for people, passion for God, passion for people, serve big. And by big, I don't mean a block party every day, a block party every week. Serve big, here's what I mean, invest your treasure. Time, talent, possession. 
Serve big is investing your treasure. You know, if we had a, a piece of iron suspended, you know, we could move that with a cork. Do the cork against it continuously enough. You'd get that piece of iron swinging so much it'd be dangerous. If we served in little ways consistently throughout the year, we'd look back over 2016 and go, man, we really served big. We made an impact in people's life. See, the wise men pursued Jesus, not just with their head, but with their heart. And we're still talking about them today. We don't know their names. We don't know how many they were. But we talk about them. Not Herod. Not the religious leaders. Them. Why? Because they had a passion for God. And for us today that comes out through a passion for people. We serve big. I thought about right above our doors, I mean, somebody that's artistic. For me, it would be like stencil and spray paint. Somebody else, it would be like beautiful. Serve big over our doors so that it would be like that football team going out to the field. You know, come touch it, you know, as we go out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Serve big. Some people could just touch it, you know. Some people would have to jump. Serve big every time we walked out the doors. That's the action. How do we serve big? How do you serve big? The prayer work this week? Jesus, teach me, show me how to invest my treasure. Because it's really your treasure. Teach me, show me how to invest my treasure. Let's pray. Let me follow the Lord. We pray just that. Show us how to invest your treasure. In you, but you've quantified you. You've quantified into people. And the people, especially that's far from God. Far from you. Lord, we've got so far to go. Lord, let us, let us have that phrase, serve big, ring in our minds over the course of this next year. Because if we do it for the course of this next year, it's a, it's a habit. It's a habit. We've, 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 we'll keep going. Allow us to impact people that would have never known you otherwise. Grow us. Grow our heart. Grow our passion for you. Grow our passion for people. Let us see that. In your name we pray. Amen. There's going to be a few people around. If you need to pray with them, if something stood out and you need to pray with somebody, man, we encourage you to go pray with them. If you want to find this Jesus for the first time, you don't, you don't know him, but you want to commit your life to him and want to know more about that, there's going to be people around. Because he will strengthen these pillars of our life. Go ahead and stand. Worship the one who came for all of us.